Hey, Bubblers. Welcome to My Streaming Bubble. I'm Jen, your host of this little old podcast, and today I'm trying something a little different. So recently, Eric and I recorded our episode on the second season of The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, available on a podcast player near you. But he had just finished watching the entire Gilmore Girls series, Revival included, and I wanted to know what his thoughts were. Today's episode is kind of like a mini episode, a mini bubble, a big stray bubble. Mm, I'll work on the title. Since I've covered the series with Meg and Carla, the hosts of the Bed, Wet, or Behead podcast, this episode will be mostly Eric sharing his thoughts as a first-time visitor to Stars Hollow. Thanks for listening, and keep streaming. Eric, you have watched every single... When did you start Gilmore Girls? Uh, I started exactly on December 11th, 2021, uh, when I was in Chicago, and my wife and I were attending a uh, convention. And uh, during that time, uh, we were just, uh, we had stayed in an Airbnb and uh, we were able to recover our Netflix on uh, the TV. And we were just kind of going through Netflix. I was like, and then I scrolled past it without the intent of stopping to watch it. But you know how when you stop on something on Netflix, it just starts playing like a little preview of it on top of the screen or in the background? Well, I just so happened to stop on it. I didn't intentionally stop on it, but I happened to stop on it. And it played that scene where it was like the opening scene of the first episode where that Mm -hmm. guy is hitting on Lorelai and then he goes back to hit on Rory. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And she and, you know, obviously I didn't know what was going on. But when Rory was like, are you my new daddy? For some reason, it made me laugh really hard, and I'm not sure why, because then the guy was like, oh, I got my friend with me, and Lorelai's like, she's 16. I was like, dude, this seems fucking funny, and Jen has recommended this show to me on a a few different times. Let's watch it. So we did, and we watched like five or six episodes that first night. (laughs) Something about that world of Stars Hollow that just like sucks you in. And you know, it's really funny, too, because... You know, this is a CW show. The only other CW show I ever, ever, ever really watched was The Flash. And now, keep in mind, this isn't actually a CW. It was WB, UPN. Like, it was it was on what basically became CW, but that okay. channel went through a lot of different versions. So, Oh, okay. Gotcha. Not, not to say that CW is truly any different than what the WB was or anything like sure. that, but this was still a like an ABC Family associate uh, affiliated series, right? And you know, I find it really funny that this, in the end, was considered a family show. Though I can see where that's going. There's a lot. I mean, a lot of adult themes in this show played out throughout every almost every episode and every season. Um, I mean, there's a, and it's also a coming of age show too, you know, and we see that for both Lori and for Lorelai and Rory, um, you know, and it's just, you know, we, we learn a lot about, you know, love, you know, family, trust, mistrust, um, white and privilege, white privilege, like, <laughs> like crazy, I'm... holy shit, white privilege in this show. I really found it to be a very fascinating program, one that I never would figure that I would ever get into because I don't normally like these kind of shows, but I think it was the writing that did it for me. The Palandinos fucking got me again with another show, an older one of theirs, but still they got me. And, you know, it is clever writing, a lot of sarcastic tones in the show that I absolutely love and appreciate. And 
in some way, you can relate to these characters. Not in every way. A lot of these characters I don't think are very relatable, at least from my point of view. You could sit there and watch a certain episode and be like, you know what, I've had a, cer- I've had a similar experience like that. You know, Or I've had this kind of falling out with a family member before just to rekindle that later on, you know, things like, you know, stuff like that. Um, relationship wise, you know, oh, I've had this type of relationship before and then that's fallen apart and then I've gotten into something like this after, you know, these are things that happen to real people. So I feel like the Paladinos wrote Gilmore Girls kind of from real life perspectives, just added that bit of that, uh, uh, you know, that TV twist to it, you know, that family friendly TV twist. But um, yeah, very lovable characters and hateable characters. I mean, I think I've I've messaged Jen so many times over the last couple months that I've been watching the show about how I l- hate people on this show and how I love people on this show. And it's just... Um, What's one character yeah. you did not think you would end up coming around to or doing a 180, whether you started off hating them and ended up not oh, I think them, you know the answer to this. Or vice versa, someone that maybe you started off and you're like, oh, I love this character. And by the end, you're like, you know what? Fuck Lorelai. No, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Lorelai was always that back and forth character with me. Um, sometimes I feel like Lorelai was dramatic without needing to be dramatic. But also, I feel like Lorelai was also unheard when she needed to be heard. I feel like Lorelai was too harsh in situations where she could have been a little more lighthearted, but that was more of her character. That was her personality. Um, Because we have to keep in mind, Lorelai did not live a conventional life, per se. She did great for herself, you know, and she did great by by Rory, too. But, you know, she's a 16-year-old mom, ran away from home because she felt like she was unwanted by her parents, lived in a fucking, like, basically like a uh, the equivalent of a, a tool shed, yeah. and then rose up to become, you know, a manager at a hotel that she absolutely loved, owned by a woman who treated her like family, just to come out with her best friend and to open up her own inn and... Become I, I I consider her a success in the end, you know, and so she is a character that has progressed in a way that you don't see a lot in television because you really feel for her backstory and the way and for how much they dive into her backstory in this show, you really get a sense that you were there with her every step of the way. So they and I really like that, especially with with her parents being so involved too, you know. Mm-hmm. But it's sorry, and I got a little off track. It got me on a Lorelai rant there. But to answer your question, it, my answer isn't Lorelai. My answer is Jess. Yes, <laughs> and I knew <laughs> you were told gonna, you. Fucking hey, told you. She fucking did too. <laughs> she did. She did. I, he was saying all these terrible things, truthful things. I will hand like they are completely one hundred percent truthful and honest. Because when we first meet Jess Mariano, he is a shit. He is an asshole. But. He's, I love him so much. I've always had a soft spot for for Jess, for the bad boys, yeah, mm-hmm. and everything. But so I was, I was, I was getting offended. I was like, I will not tolerate slander. Yeah, but you got to keep in mind that I was in like season two yes. when I met Jess, yeah. you know, and you knew what was coming. Yeah. So I didn't understand your perspective of it until way later on. Yes. And Jess really did do a complete one eighty, and I think. What ha- what it took for Jess to get that 180 was him meeting his father and then taking kind of that, getting that kind of break from being on screen. So in the background, we're thinking that, that Jess is, you know, getting to know his family and whatever. 
But in the end, it actually kind of turns out to be the opposite of that. I think he kind of broke away from his father. They don't really go into that too much. But he ends up moving to Philadelphia, and he pursues his passion in a career in writing. And that's when I really saw the turnaround with Jess, is Jess finally found his, he found his way, you know? And, you know, a lot of people hit that, that age, or even, even people older than Jess, you know, even people our age, still have trouble finding where they belong in the world. But once they have found their calling, per se, I and, and and they pursue that and they stick with it, whether if it fails or if it succeeds right away. But if they stick with it, I have a very high respect for that. Um, for people who pursue their goals and their and their and their dreams, I really do respect people like that. So I felt like that's what happened with Jess, and that opened his eyes, became making made him a little more mature, more respectful, and I think the way that how he grew up really helps solidify his relationship with Luke in the end, which was really what needed to happen. With him and Rory, that's going to be an ongoing thing, even if they ever do any more episodes in the future. Um, but uh, they really needed to bring that relationship between him and Luke to get together because that was f- that was crumbling. And I'm glad it did. I'm, I'm very glad it did. So yeah, Jess is the person who I came around to the most on this. I think he's a good guy. Yeah, yeah. All right. So you're new to the Gilmore Girls, uh, I guess, fandom world. You're you're new to Stars Hollow. So one of the big questions is which team, team Dean, Jess, or Logan, for Rory? Not Team Dean. I can tell you that. <laughs> and yes. I remember at the beginning I was all about Dean. Oh but my god! Again, you were was... nauseatingly Team Dean, but but at the at the beginning, keep in mind, I still didn't realize what was coming. Yep. So yep. you know, he was the first love, and I, I I felt like Rory did do him dirty though. Uh, Rory did him so fucking dirty, and I was mad at Rory for that. I was so mad at her. But then over time, I was like, you know what? She's a fucking teenager. He's a teenager. You know, yeah, we all get excited about our first love, but look, seeing how this show progressed over, you know, the next six seasons after that, or was it season two where he said he loved her? It was one or two. I don't remember, but whatever. Over time, I realized why Rory reacted the way she did, and that was an okay reaction for her when when Jess, or not Jess, uh, Dean told her that he loved her. I still respect Dean. Um, I still think he's a good character. I think he's a good guy. And I have nothing against him. But now that I've watched the show uh, in its entirety, I don't think Dean was right for her. So Team Dean, definitely not. But Jess and Logan is a toss-up for me because they each have their pros and cons that I think would... that, that are great for Rory in so many different ways. Now, the only problem is is that... Team Jess is more unpredictable, I think. Um, I feel like Jess, even though he has definitely come a long way from when we first meet him to where he where he uh, last see him in uh, A Year in the Life, I feel like Jess is still unpredictable, and he could still get up and just go and do whatever, you know, he'll get up and go up and do whatever he wants if he feels like something's not working out. Because I feel like Jess is that kind of personality. He, I don't think he could just stay in one place for too long. But... Logan, on the other hand, who we all know truly loves Rory. I mean, they both truly love Rory, but Logan has done things for Rory that she has never experienced with another person before. 
you know, on an intimate level. The only thing that sucks is now Rory in A Year in the Life basically is the other woman in Logan's life. And that's not what she wants. But she seems to understand this. And Logan doesn't seem to be taking any initiative to do anything to fix that, to to either break it off with the woman who he's engaged with or break it off even with Rory, really. So it's... Oh, God. Team Jess or Team Logan? Fuck. <laughs> I don't think I can give you a real good answer on that. I don't know. Because I think in different ways, they're both good for her. Intellectually, I think they're both great for her. Emotionally, I think they're both really good and really bad for her. I feel like she's happier around Logan. I think when we break it down to it, break it down, we have to see see it from Rory's perspective. And I really think that when it, if, I mean, we have seen them two in the same room before, actually, and they almost went at it. But if we're comparing the time she had with with Logan to the time that she had with Jess, I think she, in the end, would be happier and be more secure with Logan than I think she would with Jess. I think with Jess, she would be happy, but she would always have to be on her toes. That's how I feel. And I'm not saying that in anything in any bad anything bad against Jess, but I just don't think I could see Jess being the guy that Rory chooses to settle down with and start a family and all that. I just I just don't see it. But that's just my my that's just my point of view. What about you? Well, who am I, I asking? Look, you're you're team Jess all the way, aren't you? You you'll have to uh, go back and listen to the couple of Gilmore Girl episodes that I did. Okay. Else, I did. Uh, Meg and I covered the first couple of seasons, and then we realized that was a really big undertaking, and so then we kind of did a series wrap up with her co-host of Bedwet and Behead Pod joined us for that one. I was on an episode of their podcast because they do like a fuck, Mary kill with uh, fictional characters. <laughs> so we FMK. had to uh, uh, bedwet or behead the Gilmore Girls. So it was between uh, okay. Emily, Lorelai, and Rory. That was a really fun episode. And then they came back on my pod and we did A Year in the Life. So Oh, okay. That's nice. You'll have to uh, maybe when, uh, when you give those a listen... If you have any more to say, we'll do a quick recording okay. for you to update. So, oh, I would love to. I'd love yeah, to. That'd Absolutely, be fun. that'd be fun. Okay, it'd be a reaction kind you of know, a, an episode. And I want you know what I I want to get this out of the way really quick. There's something that I didn't realize until about season five that really started to bother me after every single episode from the and this didn't really start bothering me until season five. And this is completely out of left field from what we're talking about right now. But I just want to get out of the way. So. Edward Herman, rest his soul. Amazing man. Amazing man. It didn't hit me until about season five when I realized that in the credits in every single episode, he would always come up as special guest appearance by Edward Herman. And in my mind, I'm thinking a special guest appearance means like a walk-on cameo, you know, just, hey, look, we have this surprise guest for this one episode. But he was in almost every single episode. And I'm just wondering, why was he always labeled as a special guest? I, for some reason, that just bothered me, and I don't know I, I why. I think maybe just because of his stature, like uh, status at the time as an actor. You think um, so? 
possibly because right, he was core cast at that you know by at, at that point right but so. he's a seasoned seasoned actor you know compared to lauren graham at the time at the start of the series she okay, done a few things enough. um i think she was in i don't know if you remember the show like caroline in the city with leah thompson um but she had kind of a side character not a I don't think super reoccurring or anything, but yeah. um, she'd done a few other kind of TV spots, but I think this might've been Lauren Graham's like first role. Oh, and really? so her and um, Alexis Bledel. So to bring hmm. in Edward Herman and Kelly Bishop, um, I think those were kind of like the big headliners, you know, so they're the oh, featurings. Okay. I don't recall if they were supposed to be more one-off, like not as frequent, or if they became kind of a fan favorite and got incorporated more, yeah. or if it was just a way to just show respect that Edward oh, sure. raced their studio that day. <laughs> Absolutely, it's kind of like it's kind of like when a doctor says, "Don't call, you know, you know, call me doctor." You know, it's like they earn they earn that title basically. So right. I guess it's kind. Of, you're right. It is kind of a stature thing, and I can, I guess I could respect that. I could respect that and see it that way. Um, and I don't, but I just don't know why it was bothering me. I was like, dude, this guy is core cast now. I mean, does he really just need to be always put on as special guest? But no, I guess I, I guess I understand your ta your take on that. So that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, that that's. I guess I had never really thought too much about it. So that's my kind of uh, yeah, real quick off the cuff answer. Fair enough. Uh, let's see. I want to get your take on a couple more characters. Um, I don't <laughs> I don't care about what you think about Rory, but what about because Paris was another one that yeah, uh, Paris and Emily. Now these are two oh, characters okay. that like yeah during the series it's like oh they're so insufferable but at the same time like kind of love them and I am completely completely like I love Paris I love Emily with all of their faults like yeah. I'm not I'm not blind to it but I yeah. still as time goes on I just I can't help but love them more and more yeah, uh, so Paris, I almost loved from the get-go. She had, you know, kind of that j teenage drama queen going th thing going on. She wanted everything to be perfect, my way, my way, my way, you know. And I, I don't know why I was kind of drawn to that um, because I'm not that kind of person, and I don't really hang out with people who are who have who are like that and have that kind of personality. But for some reason, I saw. I kind of always saw the sadness behind Paris's eyes. And I think I pretty much picked up on that right from the beginning. And then over time, you know, in fact, you even learn, and I think it's the first or second season, just the relationship she has with her mother, you know, and just how terrible it is. And she's basically a nanny, but she's a nanny child, you know, she was raised by, she was raised by nannies. She didn't have a relationship with her parents really. Mm -hmm. So I think that's, part of what made Paris Paris and um, over time over the years you know through high school through through Yale and even you know you know a year in the life we see Paris kind of maintain that same mentality but also at the same time she is growing into this like very amazing woman Paris is always going to be the I have to it's going to be done my way or you know my way or the highway type of person and then you know fine that is what it is but she's a go-getter. She likes to, she, she, she's gold. She's very gold driven. And in the end, I think it's more about proving to herself that she could be better than her mother. Because mm. we, even though we've, I think we've only gotten one on-screen appearance of Paris's mom, if I remember. And that was back in Chilton. 
Um, I think it was maybe for yes. the parent, I think like a parent teacher conference or something like that. Yep, yeah. Cause she was like, well, why Paris was asking her, well, why can't you stay? And the yeah. mom was like, you know why I can't? Because I think that's also when like her folks were going through the divorce or whatever. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Shit, so, and, and, uh, you know, I just think that Paris is a rich kid with an, unf- who had a very unfortunate upbringing, you know, uh, she had privilege. Yes. But. There was a lot going on behind the scenes that her privilege, I don't really think, mattered too much. Because emotionally, at the beginning, Paris was just a wreck. And I think the only way she felt like she could get over, you know, not get over it, but, you know, kind of like live with it and uh, block it out as best as she can while she has the chance is just by kind of being a bully. And that sucks. You shouldn't be a bully. Bullies are fucking terrible. I, I, I felt bad for her. But in the end, I was very proud. I was very happy for her. You know, she had the, she has the business to, she has the create a baby business going on for her, <laughs> you know, build God. a baby. <laughs> um, build a baby. No shit. And uh, I, I really love the fact that Luke was so like not understanding how the surrogate process works. And he thinks he has to sleep with all these women and both Lorelai and Paris are just like, no, you don't have to do that. And I was also very, very pleased with how much screen time we got with Paris in A Year in the Life. I really didn't think we were going to get that much, mm-hmm. but we got quite a bit. And I was very cool. I was very cool with that. So I love Paris. Um, she would never befriend me. That's for sure. <laughs> um, I'm way, but I'm Normie. way beneath her. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I respect her. Emily. But Emily. 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 So, Emily, I have a bit of a different opinion on. Um, my opinion has changed over time about Emily, but also it still kind of stayed a little stagnant. Emily is an elitist. She's a classist. And I don't respect classes. I have no respect for someone who, just because you, you're in a different tax bracket, you know, than someone, who, than someone else, you're automatically better than them. And I'm sorry, but from episode one to the very final episode of You're in a Life, that has always been Emily. And now, over time, the personality gets a little ridiculous, I think, you know, and we start seeing that even though she is this kind of kind of hoity-toity type person, there is a soul in there. She's there is a good person in Emily. She just portrays it very uh, I don't know, very awkwardly. Toxically toxically yeah um now Lorelai is no help let's keep this in mind we learn over time that Lorelai leaving was all Lorelai's decision and Emily and Richard never ever ever pushed her out and said you have to go and Lorelai made it out to be like she wasn't welcomed when in the end we really find out it's not that she wasn't welcomed it's just that you got pregnant a lot earlier than we really than, than your parents were expecting you to. So what do we do to what do we do to, uh, to 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 you know to make the best out of this situation? And I feel like Emily, I th- I feel like Emily wanted to be there for Lorelai and help her with raising Rory, um, or at least be there for her. And she felt like she got that snatched away from her. And I think Emily became bitter about that as we saw and it, that always that always played out especially at a lot of the friday night dinners um even though it was never completely said the way that i just said it you could just always just tell there was bitterness in her voice 
There was also sadness in her voice. There was disappointment, you know. And I don't think it was because she was disappointed in Lorelai. She was just disappointed in the fact that Lorelai made the decision not to include her and Richard. And then over time, Emily learns that, and uh, help me with the name here, the, the, the lady who basically becomes like a mother to uh, Lorelai from the inn, uh, the owner of the inn. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I can't recall name. because all the only name that's popping up right now is Fran. And it's not Fran. Yeah, I don't but, think it um, is. But no. whatever, that, yeah. that woman, when Emily learns how much more involved she was in Rory's life than her, you know, at the beginning, um, it really, it really upset her. You know, it really, it just really, I don't know, just, it put her in a very awkward place, I feel, in their, in their, in her relationship with the, with her daughter. But throughout the series, Lorelai, or pardon me, uh, 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 Emily became more accepting of the life that Lorelai built for herself and her child. And she, although always wanted her to have something bigger and better, I think she came to the conclusion that she knew that that's not what her daughter wanted. It took about seven and a half seasons just to get to that point, but she eventually came around. She accepted it, but yet she still looks down on what they would probably call like the little people, you Mm -hmm. know? Oh, absolutely. I don't like that. I I don't like that. I feel like even though I felt like Richard was a little better at that than she was, he but he was better at kind of masking it and, you know, and not being so blunt about it. He Richard was more of a beat around the bush kind of guy to say I'm better than you, like when he brought Luke out golfing with him, you know. It's that was I don't such know an, if it's a, a beat around the bush kind of thing, but definitely both of the both of the uh, Gilmores, Elder Gilmores, have a master class in that subtle, backhanded compliment kind mm-hmm. of way, and in showing their their status and privilege. Like, like for instance, good example of what you just said when Lorelai brings Luke to their place for the first time, and she asks Luke if he wants a beer. Mm-hmm. You know, at, at the first at first glance, it just seems like I'm offering this man a drink, and he's like, "Okay, sure." And then Lorelai basically points out to Luke what she's doing. She's testing you to see if you're good enough for me. And you, you know, you said you wanted a beer. She thinks like beer is a is a peasant's drink. And then we see during the dinner conversation while they're eating, she's like, "Would you like another beer, Luke?" And the way she puts emphasis in the word beer, you know, Luke like sees it and hears it right there. You look down on this man. Why? Because he's not an, he's not an Ivy league. He's not a, he's not a CEO of some major corporation. He's a grown ass man that wears his hat backwards. That's why you should look down on Luke Danes. But he owns his own (laughs) business and he's, and, and let's just say this, he, even though this was never, ever, ever brought up during the recession in 2008 and 2009, Luke somehow managed to maintain that business and mm-hmm. keep it afloat. You know, they don't go over that, but I'm just saying it happened. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, but but I'm just saying it's, you know, it, I, that's my example of just like there's a good person right here sitting at your dinner table who obviously cares enough about your daughter to want to help build a life for her and her mm-hmm. child. Here's someone who has basically helped helped raise Rory. Yep. You know? And you're looking down on him just because he's not 
in your social class. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really shitty. But in Year in the Life, they have, she has learned to accept Luke, which I like. I don't like that she tried to force Luke to franchise because it was Richard's... Um, it's what Richard wanted for him. Mm -hmm. I don't think Richard had any place saying that he wanted something for Luke because they're not family, but I respect where Richard's heart was at, but I felt like it really wasn't Emily's place to try to get Luke force Luke into that. If anything, she should have had a sit down with him saying, my husband uh, did this. How do you feel? Do you want to pursue this? If not, I'll figure out something else with this fucking money. <laughs> That's so not Emily. <laughs> no, it's not. That's the thing. But that would have been the appropriate way to go about that. But it's not Emily. But in the end, Emily, I think, was at peace. And I and I and I love that. I love that in the end, that final scene of her in the in the show on a year in a life where she just takes her wine glass. She puts, first off, I love that she had like, like that entire family living with her, um, her, her maid's family. I mm -hmm. absolutely love that. Um, and you know, we see her just kind of put in a blanket over the kids, you know, she grabs her glass of wine and grabs a lantern and goes out to that bench to just look out at the ocean. And I think at that moment, the final cut we have in Emily is we see she has finally found some sort of peace in her life. And even with Richard gone, she's telling herself at that moment, I'm going to be okay. She gets the volunteering job at the like whale exhibit where she's telling the kids about <laughs> it, the buckets of blood. And oh, I love that. Um, so yeah, um, my opinion on Emily hasn't fully changed, but I do respect her a lot more now than I did at the beginning. You know, hell, even probably through the first four or five seasons, to be mm -hmm. honest with you. So. All right, because we do actually have like an actual episode to record. We really should have, this should have been separate, but I didn't expect you to be done with the complete series by now. I guess I should have known, but either way, I want to know your thoughts on the best friends, Lane and Sookie, and then we'll end with Rory. Uh, Lane, I thought was fucking awesome. I loved Lane. She was a character who I felt like really... She progressed a lot, too. Um, you know, as I like to say, character development. Um, I think Lane probably got some of the best character development in the show. I don't like Zach. I've never liked Zach. Um, but, you know, whatever. That is what it is. I felt like that just kind of got rushed in her, with her story. But her and Zach are married. It is what it is. She has twins. Um, and she seems to be very happy with him and very happy with her life. And that's great. I think her relationship with her mother was very interesting. Um, she grew up in a very religious household, and she was far from that. I found it to be very disappointing, though, that she did not keep her purple hair. Or was it yeah. pink hair? Or was it blue hair? What color was the hair? I think it was purple. Was I it think purple? It, I don't remember. I think it was, yeah, it was like purple or I was, blue. Yeah. I was really hoping they were going to keep that at least for one episode and have her mother see it. Um, so I think that would have just gotten... But then we gotten... wouldn't have had any more Lane because her mother would have killed her. <laughs> uh, that's probably true. Mrs. Kim would have definitely have, uh, definitely would have shanked her daughter right then and there. But no, I loved Lane. I thought Lane was fantastic. Um, I don't really have much more to say to that, but she just kind of reminds me of someone who would be like anybody's best friend, mm -hmm. you know? And she, the she she did the the actress playing her did a really good job at uh, at that. I will have to say and always say justice for Lane because I hated what they did with her character. I did too. In the end, I did too. I felt like it was just um, I don't want to say like it, like like it was rushed per se, but now it kind you, of was. Now you know that the Paladinos left for that last season. Oh, 
Yeah. Their their name was still on the credits. I have they, they left creatively. They were no oh. longer in charge. So they may still have had like executive producer claims. Oh. But uh, the Paladinos left for that last season. So the writing and the direction in which the characters went I, were not yeah. written by Amy and, or Dan. And Amy has said that she has not and won't watch that last season. So when she wrote A Year in the Life, she basically, because she always knew how the series was going to end. Uh-huh. Basically, Rory in those last four words was how the series was originally supposed to end. So she never watched, I believe, never watched that final season. So she didn't. So these characters aren't necessarily being picked up right at the end of season seven from A Year in the Life as as huh. cohesively as they could have been. Right. But at the same time, there was the damage was already done. And so mm-hmm. they they had to pick up in certain aspects from that. But um, yeah, because suddenly they they may not even they may not have been happy with like, let's say with Lane, for instance, you know. Yeah. I, we don't know what uh, Amy's plans for Lane were. I kind of feel like Lane getting I'm still always very will always be very upset with what. Yeah what ultimately happened in the original series run to Lane's character. Yeah. And I will, so that shit will but, always piss me off. <laughs> yeah, and I, and I really do feel like Zach was kind of a cop-out um, to be the one for Lane. I just don't, even even in You're in the Life when they're together, I just still feel like this is, this, something doesn't feel right about these two people. Maybe as a fling, that could have been one thing, you know. Hit, using Zach as kind of a rebound off of uh, what's his face? I can't remember the guy who would pretend to be ultra religious just so he could be around Lane at her house. I forgot his name. Oh my god! Um, yeah. But he left to the OC, so yeah. Uh, well, but either way, um, I love still him. He was so good for Lane. He, he was, so and I was so really cute. hoping at some point he was actually going to come back, and I kept thinking that was going to happen, but it didn't. But we got what we got. It is what it is. In the end, it did not make me. You know, it didn't change my opinion on Lane, even though there were new writers. I guess I didn't realize that. Yeah, still, she was a great best friend. <laughs> totally cool. Yeah, season seven is usually the season that we do not speak of. That's so weird because I guess I didn't. So I, I watched it all so consecutively that I just didn't pick up on any difference in writing style or anything like that in season seven in comparison to like season six. But I guess I just wasn't thinking of it that way. I don't know. I just didn't. They, they got now you're, you. Now, you know you're totally going to make me think about this now, and I'm going to have to rewatch season seven. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. <laughs> I just I finished this remember, damn show. <laughs> I, even re- I remember even when season seven came out, there was even just like cinematography that didn't fit, that felt off. Just the way certain shots it did feel were a little. It did feel a little more artsy um, in season I, seven. I, I, I'm not going to say artsy one way or another. I, I just know that it always felt off. And I think I've only watched that last season like once. Once they start, I think this started happening in season six, maybe season five, but I have a feeling it was season six. Once they started introducing dream sequences into the show, that's when I started to think, okay, this is a little out of place for this show. But I thought that was just the Palandito's experimenting with something new. I never realized that there was new writers that came in. Just keep in for mind, season seven. Okay. Because remember, I skip, uh, for the most part, I have I skipped the uh the introduction to the show for the most part probably through the first like four seasons or so i would almost skip every introduction and that's when i said in season five i realized the thing with uh uh with edward herman yeah (laughs) but oh god now you got me thinking about that (laughs) 
I right. never really, never thought of it. Anyways, Sookie, Sookie, I could get too Suki. focused on that. Sookie. Do you ever Suki. watch True Blood? Of course. Sookie. Yeah. Sookie. <laughs> Uh, it's funny because I guess the guy who play who actually uh, plays Zach is in uh, he's actually in True Blood. He plays one of the cops. Um, I think like Lorraine's husband or something like that. But anyways, uh, Sookie, uh, Melissa McCarthy, I loved her all the way through. I have no bad things to say about her. I just have bad things to say about her not coming back in a year in a life. Okay, now did you know kind of the uh, shit around that? Kind of. I'll, I'll give my, uh, what I think is what happened. And then you, t- mm-hmm. you you probably know it more factually than I do. So from what I understand and what I've read, uh, the Pal- Amy Pal- Sherman Palandino and Daniel Palandino probably thought that when they were doing this and had this idea that Melissa McCarthy was basically now a big star. She was Hall. She was Hollywood as shit now. And she would never want to come back to this and do this show and come back to stars hollow and do this. You know, why would she, she's fucking Melissa McCarthy. Um, so I guess they came up with the, some sort of excuse saying that her schedule wouldn't allow for it or something like that. Mm -hmm. But then in the end, Melissa McCarthy found out while they were shooting this, that this was happening and she got not pissed off, but I guess offended which I would too. Yeah. She was offended that this show that helped build her career, that she wasn't asked to come back for a reunion special, basically, mm-hmm. is what this was. A glorified reunion special. And she was hurt. And she was upset by this. And I, if I understand correctly, she kind of confronted them about it. Mm-hmm. And then at the last minute, while they were still kind of wrapping up their filming or whatever, they worked her in for a single scene. Mm-hmm. Which she did gracefully. But, and, and it was, for the most part, it was an okay scene, but that's kind of like what my take on it was. And that's, and that's what pretty I read. much it. Yep. And that's yeah. basically it is that the revival was announced mm-hmm. and uh, Melissa McCarthy found out about it kind of the hard way. And yeah, yeah. didn't yeah. take too kindly to that. And so and, then there was a bit of kind of back and forth who's to blame and yada, yada. And then, but eventually managed to work out at least. One At least scene. a scene, yeah. And still, you know what? I'm still mad that she wasn't there for the elopey wedding scene. <laughs> yeah. Well, what I think is, that I, I'm willing to bet they filmed the elopey the eloping scene before they even got her to come back. Probably. That, so they, because I said that to Anastasia last night. Uh, you know, because Michelle was there, Lane was there. Um, mm-hmm. I feel like there was one other person. Rory, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, rental. <laughs> um, but it's like, you know, Sookie should really be up there. Why? Uh, between Sookie and Michelle, I love Michelle. That should have been that should have been Sookie. But I have a feeling that scene was shot before Melissa McCarthy even came back. Likely, yeah. But yeah, but otherwise, you know, throughout every other episode in the fucking show, aside, or every other season, aside from You're in the Life, I love Sookie. Suki is everyone's best friend, okay? She's yours, she's mine, she's Lorelai's. How could she not be? She gets a little annoying at times, I will say that. Um, she gets a little, uh, especially when it comes to her food, but she's a chef. You can't really blame her for that. I really did love her. I thought she was a great mm-hmm. character. And uh, if they do a year in the life season two, which I guess is rumored to happen, but there's nothing, nothing is solid yet. Right. Uh, because Amy Sherman Palandino, I guess, said that she wants to focus on Miss Maisel. And if she feels like the time is right, she would do another season of this. But at this 
point in time, we're six years out from when that came out. So, mm. I mean, how worth it is it at this point to revisit Stars Hollow? Right. So maybe for one more one-off with the with, with, you know six years later after Rory made the announcement to her mom, but you can't really do that anything more than an extra four episodes. But after that, I think the show should just call it quits. You mm-hmm. know. But yeah. Yeah. All right. And then we'll wrap with Rory. I know there's like a kabillion other characters and a kabillion other things we could go off about. Yeah. And I may give you another chance so we can, because I, I am kind of curious about some of your takes on uh, some of the, the relationships, the men folk sure. in the girls' lives and all oh, that sure. kind of stuff. But Oh, I have a lot to say. <laughs> I, I would love, I, you know, still want you to listen to some of these other episodes surrounding the Gilmore girls and and then get your kind of well, take now on that, that. I, now that I've watched this all the way through I'm gonna go and listen to your episode listen to your recordings on that because I've never I haven't listened to them because I don't like to listen to episodes where I'm gonna be hearing about the show a show I haven't watched because sure. I don't want spoilers but yeah. now that I now that I've watched it all I could hear yours and the other uh, uh, podcasters perspectives on it mm-hmm. um, so I would love to hear that Perfect. so I will do that but my wrap-up opinions on Rory. So Rory is a character that, just like Lorelai, we have seen her develop, you know, over time. But we see the development in a different way. And Lorelai's already an adult, but she's like a young adult mom, you know. And we see the progression from a young, young, from a very young parent with a teenager, growing up to be a more mature and well-rounded person, and just someone who's who 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 figures out who's figured out now what she wants with her life with Rory we see her from a teenager with a young mom and seeing how that relationship is you know and then seeing Rory grow into this just insanely amazing woman but and I say insanely amazing because she really is she turned into she may be kind of lost what she wanted with her career. She's not quite, she didn't quite get to where she wanted to as an adult and what she was, what she had perspired, but she, she figured out that maybe being a journalist just wasn't really what she was meant to be. Maybe she really was meant to be a writer and her writing the Gilmore girls book, I think is going to be good for her. And I'd love to see where we are after that, to see if that ended up being a big, if that ended up being a hit for her. So for me, it's kind of hard to relate to Rory probably out of more than any other character in this show. Just because I'm not, I never grew up as a teenage girl. You know, I grew up around teenage girls, but you know, I'm I'm not one. So seeing how, so what was nice about this is I I watched this entire series with my wife and watching Rory on screen and watching my wife's reactions to Rory as a teenager and then as a college student and then as a woman trying to make it into the real world. My wife really, I think, connected a lot with that. Um, from the relationships to the confusion to sex to you know your individual relationships with your with your parents and maintaining friendships and these are things that people, not just girls, but men go through them too. Boys go through them too. But seeing it from a female's perspective and what just how it just seems a little harder in a way. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, women have always had to fight extra hard, you know, still do watching my, you know, one of my two main characters being, 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 uh, being a teenager 
growing into a woman and my wife giving me just her perspective on how she could relate, it kind of just held, it, it, it made me not fully understand better, but appreciate and respect more what women, especially young women, have to go through. I felt like, though, in this show, they may have painted the picture a little too easy sometimes for Rory. Mm -hmm. Because, let's face it, male, female, it doesn't matter. When you're growing up and you're a teenager and you're starting to date and you're getting out in the world and you're you're experimenting with boys or girls, whatever, your first love and relationships aren't always as easy as I felt like this show made them out to be. Like, I kind of, I understand why they did it the way they had to do it, but I feel like... It seemed just a little too easy mm -hmm. and sappy. Mm -hmm. And although we did experience, you know, her going through three different styles of relationships throughout her life, you're telling me that from the time she was 16 years old to the time she's 32, she's only had three boyfriends. And yeah, there was the guy from college who she found naked, who she kind of had a crush on, but nothing ever went. No, yeah, that nothing was ever went. Marty, well, thank and you. And then there was poor Paul. I think. Fuck, oh, I don't what, remember what his was name. his name? Shit. What was his name? <laughs> but yeah, she treated Paul. that dude like shit. Oh my gosh, she he was all she was awful to him. I'm glad he broke it up with her. Mm -hmm. Oh my god, I'm so glad. But I just felt like with Rory's relationships, they kind of took it. They wanted to make it seem, you know, like. They wanted, they wanted it to seem like it was hard for her when in reality, I don't think a lot of people can relate relationship-wise to how she was uh, handling these situations. But, you know, other than that, though, I mean, her struggles of trying to just get to the top of her class, the drama she had with Paris at the beginning, and just over time just developing a very strange relationship with Lorelai. They went from being best buddies just like most parents think they're best friends with their kids, you know, you've seen those you've seen the, those relationships to just coming at differences with each other and then her moving in with her grandparents and then having to see what her mother went through um with Emily. So Rory was a roller coaster for me. Mm -hmm. She really was. I loved the character. I loved you know the ride we got to take with her all the way into the very last last episode in a year in a life. And now she's pregnant or she thinks she's pregnant. Uh, well, does she say, I think I'm pregnant or I am pregnant? I am pregnant. She said, I am Mom, pregnant. Okay. I'm pregnant. Yep. Right. Okay. So now we got to ask ourselves, who is the father? Because, well, very likely it's Logan. Yes. Very likely it's Logan. So, and if that is the case, I, this is why I want to see a season two. But the problem with this is it's been six years. They can't just pick up six years later, right where they left off. You know, this isn't an this isn't an animated series. You know, mm -hmm. I think they ended that series with the intent of maybe doing a season two a lot sooner than they did. Than they than uh, there is no second series. I guess they probably thought they were going to do a season two, probably in another year or so. But then Mrs. Maisel came around and blew the and took the fucking world by storm. And now the Gilmore Girls, I think, are kind of on the back burner. For right now, I don't know if there was ever intention to do a second a year in the life. I you think, don't think so? I don't think so because this is how it ended. Is how Amy Sherman Palladino always envisioned Gilmore Girls to end for from the final actual season. Not yes. a, oh, okay, right? Hmm. Okay. Well, I mean, if that was the intent, then that's the intent. She's pregnant, and then we're just left on that uh, left on that hanger. Mm -hmm. You know. I can't wait for you to listen to the episodes, the podcast episodes, and hear because because you're a new fan. Yeah. Meg and I are kind of more lifers. 
Uh-huh. And her her friend Carla is new to the series. I'm not going to call Carla a fan. <laughs> I, think that might, I don't think that's entirely true. Um, so it's always, for me, it's always interesting to get new fans takes or people just just now experiencing this series uh-huh. because my perceptive my perception of it has changed over the years from when I first started watching it and being younger and feeling more like like oh Lorelai's so cool she's such a cool mom I'm gonna be, be a cool yeah, mom right. to me kind you, of more settling into my Mrs. Kim ways <laughs> you know Just it's like fuck off everyone it's like Anastasia <laughs> said it's like Anastasia said I think I sent you I sent you a message saying this uh, like two weeks ago my wife said you know I always I always thought that I was Lorelai but now I'm realizing I'm a Michelle mm-hmm. and I was like yeah yeah that, I, can, I see uh, what you mean by that Love Michelle. And like I said, I wish we could go into more depth uh, and detail on your take on even a lot of these side characters and some of the the major plot points like Lorelai's engagements and and all of that. And just even Luke's even even Luke's drama and just like Luke's story in this show was even just as uh, just as important in building as Lorelai and Rory's, you know, I mean, yeah. So, I mean, I guess if you ever wanted to do something again in the future to talk about this i am more than down absolutely i i think that'd be a lot of fun so and plus also there's kirk how can you not love kirk <laughs> and every time i see him in anything now it's just kirk it's just doing another, another job it's just it's another just, job it's just so another I'm, gig <laughs> so i'm watching the suicide squad for that hundred time and my husband's just like god that fucking weasel is so fucking creepy and i'm like dude just think of it as kirk it's just another job kirk's doing he's got to be this creepy weasel thing and he's yep. like i don't care he's like or he starts laughing he's like yeah he's probably it's probably some way for him to scam the jewels off some old ladies (laughs) i will say i this will be my final thoughts because i don't want to take up too much more time about this because i know you got we got another recording to do but i do want to say one more thing and this is in regards to kirk i love the fact that kirk made a short film (gasps) oh my god that's the best wasn't that amazing (laughs) the first one will always be my favorite the second one was okay but i love a film by kirk oh so much better than a dumb musical number i loved it oh my god Gosh, and I love that he was a pig dad in the end, and he was, and he felt bad. He was giving that one guy shit about making a pig roast when he ate bacon that same morning. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, Kirk, we love you. We love you, Sean Gunn. You're amazing. <laughs> yep, we love you, Kirk. What was I watching the other day? And I was just thinking, like, because it was, oh, it was. Oh, yeah, we were watching Peacemaker, and all I could think is, like, if Sean Gunn didn't sit in as the uh, eagle, I'm going to be as eagly. I'm going to be very upset. <laughs> I've still only watched the first episode of Peacemaker. I'm, I'm going to wait till the series is done, and then I'm going to binge it. Oh, my God, because it's so funny because you're like, we should do great. an episode. And I was like, oh, let's hold off. And now I'm like, we're all caught up. And I'm like, I totally kind of want to do uh, a Suicide Squad slash Peacemaker episode. because. And here I am saying, I haven't even watched episode two yet. <laughs> Yeah, we're all caught up on our other stuff, so that's pretty nice. But all right, any final, any stray bubbles on the Gilmore Girls for now? Not so much about you know me specifying anything about the show, really. But I guess I would say don't don't judge a book by its cover. You know, the Gilmore Girls is a really good show. Um, it's it's a very relatable show in several, in many senses. And I think that for our generation, especially 
you know, if, you know, it doesn't matter who you are. If you go back and watch a show like this, in some way, you could find a character in the show that you could say, I remember being like that, or I remember that particular person when I was in high school or in college. And now, yes, when you watch The Year in Life, you're saying, yes, I can see, I, now I can relate to this particular person as they've grown up. I don't think it's a sleeper, you know? And like I said, you said it technically wasn't a CW show, but it was still in that same branch of networks. Mm -hmm. But when people think of those kind of shows, I think what they think of is like Dawson's Creek, you know, and that style of show. And that's exactly where my mind was before I even turned this on. And then when you told me that this show was written by the same writers of Mrs. Maisel, because I love Mrs. Maisel and I watched Maisel first, that's what inspired me to watch this because I love that brand of comedy. I love that wit. I love this style of writing. So I was like, okay, I'm willing to give this a chance. And like I said, on the very first day that we watched it, I was only anticipating to watch an episode and we were up till like three o'clock in the morning watching it. And New Year's Day, my wife and I did a 12 hour fucking uh, 12 hour <laughs> binge of the show. That was the longest binge I think I've ever had in my life of a single show is 12 hours straight. Oh, my God. I absolutely fucking love that. There's just something about there is there's something about the writing style. I love the fast. That's what first drew me in was the fast talking and yeah. trying to pick up on all the little um, references, pop culture references and shit like that. And I think when we were first talking about like Maisel and, and the Paladinos, I can't remember if I told you, but scripts for about an hour long show are whatever, like 40, 50 pages. I don't remember the exact number. Gilmore Girls was almost consistently double that. Wow. So that's kind of where they had to adopt the really fast talking to try and get it all in. And that yeah, sure. became the the signature style of the Gilmore Girls. And now we that's see amazing. that in in Mrs. Maisel. Yeah. I because, you know, they did another series, The Bunheads, about yeah, <laughs> ballerinas. I, I think I might skip The Bunheads. No <laughs> offense to the Paladinos, but I, I, I watched the trailer. I think that might be outside of my league. But Yeah, I haven't even watched the trailer, so I'll hand it to you for that. And Amy Sherman also wrote um, on the earlier seasons of the original Roseanne run, too. So oh, get I, the fuck out of here, really? I can't remember which season specifically. I want to say maybe like three and four. Okay. And um those are those are some of my favorite seasons. Those are like my favorite seasons of the original Roseanne run. So um if you can find them online that. anywhere. Cool. Yeah. So with with Roseanne today having uh showing her true Nazi colors and everything, um, I don't know where original Roseanne might be streaming because I know they had pulled mm. that shit. Um, well, you know, <laughs> once you turn Nazi, you never know you never go backsy. So nope. Nope. So, but there is one more thing. Yes. One more thing I want to say, and I know I just okay. said that, but there's one more thing, and uh, this is kind of like my way of saying this is my way of showing respect for the show. Mm -hmm. Just remember, folks, if you're out on the road <laughs> and feeling lonely and so cold, all you have to do is call my name, and I'll be there on the next train. That's all. <laughs> Oi, with the poodles already. <laughs> <laughs> well, I am thoroughly impressed that you watched the entire series and revival um, in just a few, just a couple short months. Mm -hmm. And I'm so glad you did. And welcome to... 
being a Gilmore old, welcome to Stars Hollow. Oh, I wish I had an air horn right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I've like as you can see in the background, I've got all the DVDs and has a lot of the fun, you know, behind the scenes and and shit like that. A lot of the yeah. fun facts. So oh, fun! Oh, if I would you're love ever to see those. so inclined, by all means, join us. <laughs> Go deeper into the well of Stars Hollow. <laughs> you got it, dude. God, there's so many other characters I want to talk about too. There's oh, so many, so many other plot points too, but. I, I we will definitely do this again. We'll just have a separate day for okay. for you to go off about uh, Gilmore Girls and everything. I think that'll be a lot of fun. Sounds It'll fun to be me. Much like today, much like this, a bit more one sided since I've already kind of doled out all my opinions and whatnot. But it, okay. it's still would it's still going to be a lot of fun. So let me ask you a question real quick yeah. then before you wrap this up. Do you think that? Do you personally think that uh, a show like this? is more aimed towards women? Uh, or do you feel like this is a show that anybody can truly get into? Because I feel like this is a show that anyone could get into if they just look past the fact that it's called Gilmore Girls. Yes. I think it, it definitely has that like, oh, it's a, it's a, you know, it's a chick show or whatever. You know, mm-hmm. you look at the DVD uh, casings and it's all like more soft, more and feminine. bright colors. Yep. And yeah, yeah. But my husband knows Gilmore Girls almost as well as I do. He knows Ooh, episodes I... <laughs> almost as well as I do because he's oh, been yeah? subjected to it. Oh, um, sure. So I think it is something that anyone can enjoy. Anyone can find something about it, whether they want to like rage watch because the Gilmores are so elitist and up their own fucking ass. Yeah. Or if they find relatable characters or if they see a little bit of Luke in them because that's Timmy totally identifies with Luke minus the backwards cap. Uh, <laughs> um, and even being able to just enjoy some of the quirky characters of Stars Hollow, like Taylor Dosey and Bootsy and Bootsy and Luke's little bullshit rival they kind of have going on back and mm, forth. Yeah. And Bootsy is Jackie in Maisel. Yep. Yeah, he is. Yep. Yeah, he is. And and yeah, and and even your even your take on like Jackson and how you kind of came around, not necessarily in a good way to Jackson, all these other little things that I think people can still pick up on and feel strongly one way or another about it because really entertainment, the things we enjoy watching, they're not always going to be because we love it. We might just love rage watching and we just must, we just might love shitting on the show or the movie because that's what brings right. us joy. And right. I think Gilmore girls offers that it's such a giant platter of kind of take your pick. Do you want to love it? Do you want to hate it? Do you want to rage? Like hate, watch it. Do you want to feel sympathy and empathy for these characters or connect with them in some way and, sure. and or do the complete 180, you know? And that says something about good writing, though, just about television in general. If you can watch a show where you love a character, then start hating that character, but then come back to loving them again or hate love and then hate again. Mm-hmm. I think that says something good about writing, just the, just the talent that's behind the scenes that's putting this together to entertain us. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I guess the, the whole season seven thing just kind of went over my head. I didn't really sit, think of it that way. But aside from that, you know, I tip my hat to, you know, the Palandinos and just to everyone who put together this incredible story mm-hmm. about this mom and daughter from this crazy little small town 
and just every all the hijinks and things that they got into over the course of seven seasons plus a spinoff. So, yeah. Glad you enjoyed it. Yay!